We started in a place where we wanted to help make safety more seamless for people, from people who didn't want to wear helmets to wearing helmets. And I think now we're in a place where like, again, how can we make tools for urban travelers who are trying to get around their cities? So for us, like taking that next step is like what gets me up every day. That's Gloria Huang, founder of Thousand, a company that makes really cool helmets. I love riding things with wheels, bikes, skateboards, one wheels, even roller skates. Yep. They're awesome for commuting, heading out and exploring new places and just burning off some steam. Doing these things with helmets is a pretty wise idea. I mean, helmets reduce the likelihood of getting a serious head injury by 60%. A lot of people find helmets bulky and inconvenient though. Gloria Huang felt the same way. So she designed a helmet that people are really excited about. I'm Shelby Stanger and this is wild ideas worth living. Gloria didn't grow up with the dream to create a better helmet, but she's always been business-minded and she fell in love with cycling in college. Gloria has been using her bike to commute and to explore for a long time, and she has a ton of technical knowledge and experience. Well, Gloria Huang, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. I'm really excited to hear your story today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Shelby. You started a helmet company. That must mean you're a big cyclist, right? Yeah, I'm definitely like a more of a, a city rider. So I like commute to like our warehouse or our office. It's like a mile away. When COVID first hit, I had a lot of just cool rides because downtown is usually super packed and you can't bike in it without feeling, you know, a little risky. Oh yeah. So you're in downtown LA just for yeah, yeah, yeah. preface. Okay. I'm right outside of downtown. So it's like Amazing. getting to like ride down the streets and like see super cool, like historical landmarks, the Walt Disney concert hall and the Broad. For me on the bike was awesome just because I, I never really did it before because it's super car packed. But I started biking in college and learning how to like build bikes was super fun for me. Like I got into the old 1970s and 1960s frames. So I oh, love old cool. steel frames. I'd go to events down there called Franken Bike. So I learned how to kind of put together bikes too. Like my first build was an old Italian um, bike and I put all the kind of error appropriate campy things on it. So for me, like I just developed a love of high quality products in biking. And that's probably one where I like tell people, because I think people don't think I'm super into biking just because we make it more for recreational brands. But yeah, I, I like learn how to build old steel frame bikes and, you know, single speed fixed gear. That's how I got around. Where did you go to college? University of Texas at Austin. Wow. Okay, so is that a big bike school? It's a big, it's more than anything, the campus is big. So it's like five miles and you can get around by walking, car or bus. I didn't have a car and like walking is just so slow because it's like five miles and it's Texas heat. And that's why I started biking for me. I'm like, this is the quickest, easiest, cheaper way to get around. And yeah, I've, I've loved it ever since. So I kept on going. Okay, so you got to see a lot of LA on a bike during the pandemic that you normally wouldn't have seen. That's like, actually a bright side about the pandemic in LA. Yeah, that was a super fun one. And also just taking time to do trails I haven't seen. Again, like I'm more of a recreationalist biker. So like Frogtown is a really cool place in LA. It's like this river path. There's really cool cafes along it. So you can kind of just like- Where is this? Frogtown, if you've ever been. It's super cool. It sounds amazing, but it's in LA? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's in LA. It's this river bike path. And like, there's like cool- cafes and like a brewery on the track. So you can grab a growler and like a sandwich and you can bike around and kind of just sit on the reservoir and hang out on a Saturday. It's like the perfect weekend thing to do. What's your relationship to nature and the outdoors? I know you, you like to bike and you've seen 
there are some actually really cool trails in LA. It's not, it's not just a big city and Hollywood. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally, again, not like a mountain biker or like a roadie. Like I really just like to probably more explore and to commute. I bike because it's easier for me to go to my local taco spot on bike than to try to find parking. Or I bike to like um, our office warehouse because it's just kind of nice in the morning to get kind of wind in your hair. But that's probably my relationship to biking. But I would also say like we do a lot of, I personally like just e-mobility in general. So like we have a super 73 in the office and I kind of cruise around on it or like a scooter. But for me, it's, it's just getting around in a different way. And then on the weekends, I like to camp and stuff. So like hitting up like BLM spots during COVID was a big thing. So just finding somewhere to disconnect and smell better air. If you get to be surrounded by trees and your cell phone's not on, who can complain? Gloria doesn't need to travel far away to enjoy the benefits of nature. She's found easy ways to get outside that fit with her lifestyle close to home, like the one mile bike ride to her office and even the few miles she bikes to get drinks with friends on the weekend. Gloria is a longtime bike commuter, but for much of her life, she did not wear a helmet. She noticed that a lot of other riders didn't wear them either. She wondered if a more attractive functional helmet could help increase the numbers and keep people safe. So she came up with designs and launched a crowdfunding campaign to bring her wild idea to life. Since the first sale, her company Thousand has become a thriving brand in the outdoor industry and is changing the helmet game. Tell me the inspiration of why you created Thousand Brand. So I was a longtime bike rider, never wore a helmet, just kind of thought they were goofy looking, if I'm honest. And, you know, not a great answer, but it was my answer. But a friend and a mentor of mine passed away from a bad bike accident. He was riding around New York City, wasn't wearing a helmet, and it was a head first injury and passed away on impact. So after that incident, I really knew I just needed to start wearing a helmet just to be responsible myself and the people around me. And I went out to a store to find something I liked. And I, and I found things I thought were kind of passable, but nothing I truly wanted to wear. So I stopped riding my bike so much, but my background is in philanthropy and, and social impact. And my thought at the time was, you know, if you make a bike helmet people actually want to wear, I think you can help save lives. And more than that, I think you can help connect people to the cities. One of the biggest reasons I heard that people didn't ride a bike or a scooter or a skateboard or anything with urban mobility is they just didn't feel safe. So for me, like it wasn't necessarily about helmets. It was, it was just on a mission to try to make safety less of a barrier for some people. That's really cool because that's why I don't ride a bike. Like too many people get hit and it's scary. And I used to ride a bike all the time. And you're right. Helmets are kind of dorky looking. But really quickly, why the name Thousand? That came actually back from our mission for us. Like we had a goal at one point to help save a thousand lives. And, and it's really cool. We have something called our accident replacement policy, where we actually replace all helmets for free if you get into an accident or a crash. And we've replaced over 500 at this point. So it kind of to our mission of helping save a thousand lives. That's rad and also wild. I mean, 500 accidents that have happened then while wearing your helmets. Yeah, for me, it's awesome because I know a lot of those riders just from our customer surveys are first-time helmet wearers. That's, that's like what we're trying to do. We're trying to get more people who don't wear helmets to wear helmets. Like that's, that's what we were always about as a brand. So for us, that's impactful just to be able to save people like a hospital trip or, or hopefully even more. So what makes your helmets different? Like what did you want in a helmet besides the fact that it was good looking that wasn't out there in the market? Like I, I think I've read that there's, oh, there's two things that I read that I thought were pretty badass about your helmets. One vegan straps. Two, there's this connection in the helmet that you can literally attach your helmet to a U-lock and tie it up. So 
How'd you think of that? Genius. So I think that's the thing you're talking about. What makes our helmets different is for me, it's not even that it's good looking, it's consumer insights driven. So what we did differently is in the process, we talked to customers about what they really wanted. Our perspective was like, how can we get people who aren't wearing helmets to wear helmets? And that's the different place we came from. So we asked people in the beginning, like, what are barriers to wearing a helmet? And a lot of people were saying convenience, like you said, people don't like bringing them to a cafe or a shop or like, you know, even their workplace. Style was a big one. People just wanted something that looked good at the end of the day. But when you looked at other products in the market, they really focused on technical innovation or because something is super lightweight or Bluetooth technology. And those things are cool and important. But for the person who wasn't wearing a helmet, they didn't care about those things. They just wanted the basics, make me look good and feel good about myself, make it convenient for me to use. So that's what we stuck to in just our product philosophy from then on out. So you said your main goal is getting people who don't wear helmets to start wearing them. How are you doing that? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd say a couple of things. Like one, so in our customer surveys, actually about 25% of our customers say they were not wearing a helmet before and are now wearing a helmet for the first time. For me, that's what the mission of Thousand really was. And we do it in a couple of ways. I think it starts with product. Like at the end of the day, you have to solve a customer's functional pain points, but you have to solve their emotional ones too. And for helmets, we learned there was a lot of emotional pain points that people had around them. So it's overcoming that. But I would say like positioning helmets more as like a lifestyle accessory than like a safety commodity. I've always believed if you try to force people into behavior change by like shaming them or saying like you need to wear something or something can happen, they're not as likely to change if you give them the option to like, be like, hey, do you want to wear this cool thing that'll make you feel safe and protected and it's part of your kit while you're moving around a city? And for me, the second option is the option where people are more likely to opt into. So that's how we position Thousand and that's what we've always tried to do to get more people wearing helmets. Shaming people doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, get out. Yeah, go figure. (laughs) The PSA is not so effective. What do you mean by emotional pain point? I'm guessing something like this helmet is so ugly. I don't want to wear this big bulky thing. I think you're dead on, Shelby. It's like there's an emotional disconnect between the joy of writing and a safety product. So how do you remove that? Then how do you like make something joyful, a product joyful? How do you make it so that customer interactions are really fun and you actually want to wear it? How do you put something on? And you're getting compliments all the time. So you're feeling really good about yourself. So for us, that's what it is. If people can feel good about our products because they no longer feel like they're dorky anymore, they feel like it's just such a cool product to own because the quality of the materials are so good. That kind of bridges that emotional disconnect. What Gloria said about the disconnect between the joy of riding something with wheels and having to wear a safety product is interesting. Biking and other wheeled sports are opportunities to be outside, to breathe in fresh air, to feel the wind on your face, and to hear the sounds of the city or nature around you. Thousand's goal is to make safety a seamless part of the ride. When we come back, Gloria talks about launching Thousand on Kickstarter, the company's give back program, and what she's learned as an entrepreneur. Before Gloria started Thousand, she worked at Tom's, the shoe company. Gloria had quite a career at the company. She started working there when it was just 15 people. And by the time she left, it was a 500-person organization. Gloria's work at Tom's taught her a lot about building and growing a mission-driven brand. That experience really helped when it came time to launch Thousand on Kickstarter. 
I think what's really interesting is you started on Kickstarter, which is bold and hard and its own little wild, wild ride, but it's also accessible for entrepreneurs to like bring out an idea and sort of make it a reality. Can you just tell us a little bit about the process working on Kickstarter? You had this idea. It's one thing to have an idea, but it's a whole other thing to take an idea and make it a reality. Yeah, totally. For me, Kickstarter was just an awesome process. I would say less wild, bold idea and more like just didn't have the money (laughs) to start what I wanted to do. I had started thousand on my savings account. So I had like 20 grand in the bank. And for me, that was enough to get up to a prototype and get together marketing collateral to do a Kickstarter. So from there, I was really banking on the Kickstarter community to help me pay for the down payment on my molts. And it was awesome. It was beyond my expectations. I wasn't a marketer. And just seeing how the Kickstarter community reacted to this was life-changing in a lot of ways. So what was that moment that you knew that this idea would actually happen? It was the first day. Even the first couple of sales that came in from the Kickstarter weren't from people I knew. And at first I was like, man, this Kickstarter must be broken. There must be some sort of glitch. I need to contact them. There's random sales coming in. And then from that day, like my phone died just because the sales are so continuous and I would get a sales notification. So after the first day, I think we had hit our goal. Like we were trying to raise 20 grand and we hit it in day one. So from then I I knew it would be good. I like quit my job 10 days after it just because I knew I wanted to do this full time. That's such an amazing story. Okay. So there's more that went into it than that. Like how did you create something that was so badass that people that you didn't even know wanted to buy it. I mean, there had to have been a lot of work that went into that first Kickstarter campaign. I know it sounds easy probably now because you're so far from that, but like, I want you to take me back to that moment when you were like, okay, it's live. Yeah. It took a lot of work for me. I worked like nights and weekends. I had a full-time job. So, so for me, the only time I had was nights and weekends. And I basically had my savings account to try to get close enough to an idea that people would back it on Kickstarter. So I don't think I took vacation time or PTO that, that year. Like I, I was just using all my time to try to try to figure out how to build a helmet people actually wanted to wear. So I, I was going to a trade show to meet designers who would actually help me. And, and that was kind of my big move, but it was a hustle, you know, when no one really understands what you're doing and you don't have any money <laughs> to, to really incentivize them, you really have to sell people on the idea of like, you want to try to be helpful to the world somehow. So can you kind of cut me a break and help get us there? And you know what? A lot of people were willing to do that. A lot of great people in the beginning believed in Thousand and and me. And for me, that's largely how this got off the ground. How did you actually make it happen? So, I mean, there's, there's molds that need to be cut. There's materials that need to be gathered. And usually all of this comes from overseas and it's made and shipped here. And sometimes having worked in the helmet industry and like worked in the shoe industry, what you think you're making comes back looking really different than what you told someone to make or thought you told someone to make. For sure. Yeah. For for me, I was familiar with how to do like a go-to-market process and like the steps it took to create a product just because I was at Tom's and worked with the product team. So for me in the beginning, I, I worked with um, an industrial designer named John Larkin. He basically helped. I had the idea for a thousand. I had the sketch of what I wanted to be, but I didn't have the technical expertise to actually execute on it. John did all that in terms of making sure like, you know, the clay was good and all the technical specs and there's enough EPS foam and stuff like that. So, so it was largely that and then meeting factories that would want to work for us. Again, like I kept on talking to people and talking to people until I had like a factory list of people who had done this before. And, and again, partnering with someone there to get our initial products into market. Okay. So I've been to a plenty of like inner bike shows and outdoor shows. I mean, you're someone who's not a white dude in the bike industry. Yeah. What's that like? <laughs> to talk to me about that. 
Because I've, I've read that you've also said that's been actually a benefit. It is a benefit. I think like in the very beginning, I was actually kind of self-conscious that I wasn't like a white dude with a beard in the <laughs> industry. Cause I, you know, I went and I just like stuck out like a sore thumb. I think I went to my first inner bike and like, I like wore a leather jacket and I was like, man, I'm, I'm just like out of my depth here. <laughs> and like, I was self-conscious in the beginning. I really didn't want to be in the marketing and I didn't really want to do interviews. I was very much behind the scenes leader. And a friend of mine, at the time told me, she was a marketing person and she asked me like, why don't you kind of do more for a thousand and why don't you tell your story? And, you know, I told her, if I'm honest, like I don't look like people in this industry and I don't know if I'll have consumer trust because I don't look like people in this industry. And her response back to me at the time was, your difference is actually what makes you really unique. Like in what brings in a new customer group probably that this industry hasn't seen. So like, I think from then on out, I had really started to build confidence that my differences were actually my strengths and not my distractors. And, and ever since that, I think Thousand's really leaned into that philosophy. Like being different is better in a lot of ways. So how big is Thousand now? Like you have an office in LA, you're in REI, you're in probably a bunch of other outdoor retailers. Yeah. Thousand has grown super healthily over time. Business has been great. We're about 20 employees. It's been a great ride. So what is Thousand Gives? Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite programs. So one, we have like a revenue commitment that we make every year as just a thousand to give back to nonprofits that align with our values. And as part of that, we let our employees take part in it. So every employee basically gets a thousand bucks to donate to the nonprofit of their choice that aligns with one of our values. And we, we do it as a big campaign as the end of the year. For me, it's like one of the funnest times of year because you get to see all the cool things people really care about. When Gloria started Thousand, she wanted to create a successful business that also gave back. She wanted to find a way to weave her values into her business and her life as an entrepreneur. Along the way, she figured out a way to make her helmets more sustainable, to support organizations that her team cares about, and most importantly, to save lives. Did you ever think that this would be your path? Like you'd end up owning a helmet brand? For sure not a helmet brand. A dream of mine was to start something like mission and purpose oriented. Like I didn't know if it was going to be a business. I was always interested in entrepreneurial things growing up. I wouldn't say like I thought I'd do it. It's just something like I always tended to gravitate towards. Like probably my entrepreneur's spirit started in maybe middle school elementary school. I never had like a retail job. I was super clumsy growing up. I just knew like I couldn't be a waiter or anything like that. So when my friends were working like hostesses jobs or like scooping ice cream, I like bought skateboard decks on eBay and I bought a huge roll of grip tape and I would go to skate shops and ask them for a bunch of free stickers and I would break them up into lots and just sell the lots on eBay. That's how I would make Christmas money. And I got into like drop shipping on eBay. This is like Wait, you'd, back you'd in you'd like break the 90s. them into what? Lots? What do you mean yeah, by that? Yeah, so I'd buy like a lot of 10 or 20 skateboard decks. And then like I would buy like a big roll of grip tape and like go to shops and ask them for free stickers. And I like learned how to make skateboard wax. I would make these bundles, these skateboard bundles. And then I would sell the lots on eBay. Uh, skateboard, grip tape, stickers, and this homemade skateboard wax I made. And, you know, I'd sell it for 50 bucks when I paid like 20 bucks for it. 
Amazing. Wait, how would you make skateboard wax? Not well. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like, I don't think that many got out there into the world, but I don't even remember as a kid, I would melt down candle wax. And then I would, I looked up on the internet, like all the other things you're supposed to put into it. So I, I'd like make this concoction. Actually, my mom was a pharmacist back then. So she had all these extra pill bottles. So I would put it in the pill bottles. And I think I called it like pharmacy skateboard wax or something like that. But it was There's like, like a famous skateboard shop named Pharmacy. You're on oh, something. Oh, is, is there really? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I did that stuff as a kid. So it was like weird back then because being an entrepreneur back then wasn't a thing or like a career. I, I just thought like I was like avoiding a job. So it came, it came in handy later, I guess. I'm really in awe of makers and people who can fix things because I grew up in a household where like if something broke, you called um, a handyman. <laughs> And I just like, don't know how to fix anything. And like, even changing my bike tire is just like so intimidating. I had to like basically hire a guy to teach me how to change my bike tire and do it over and over until I didn't feel intimidated anymore because I just was so embarrassed about the fact that I couldn't change my own tire. So I'm really curious, like how you got over the, that fear. You don't seem to have a fear of building things and making things. I think I'm just curious. For me, I'm like, you can learn most things. You can YouTube a lot. You can Google what you don't know. I just like learning stuff more than anything. So like, I wouldn't say like, I don't have a fear, but maybe like I'm more curious than I am nervous that I won't succeed at something. Speaking of building new things, I think you have something new coming out this spring. Are you allowed to tell me about it? Yeah, for us, it's a big one. Again, this theme of like, how can we be making tools for urban travelers? We're launching into the lights category next. So it's our traveler's light. I think it's super cool. Basically, you can take off the lights on and off with a magnet. So customers hate removing their lights on and off because of thieves and it's difficult. So again, the magnetic on and off makes it super easy. You know, we also heard customers don't like kind of fiddling with with a button while they're trying to ride their bike back there and it's hard to find. Ours work like kind of a camera aperture dial system. So they're super cool and easy. And again, there's a really cool extension products coming out after that. So we're making a portable charger. So again, you can pop on those magnetic lights onto this charger and just charge as you go. But again, the vision of Thousand is how can we make stuff for the way people get around and, and, and the way that people get around is changing. What are some other lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur? I mean, that's it's, it's, it's wild being an entrepreneur and you have to make decisions daily. Do you have any stories or lessons you've learned along the way that you wish you knew then, but now, you know, gosh, um, probably a good amount, but I guess for me, one of the biggest lessons learned and the biggest things I think about is in the journey of thousand, I, I think I've never been the one to have the most resources or to have the biggest networks or the most money. Like that was never a thousand story. We weren't venture backed and we didn't start out with this massive team. It was really just like me and a couple of people in the beginning. But I think what I did have more than anyone else is like, I just cared more. I like was willing to go through hell more <laughs> than the person next to me. And I would tell that to any other entrepreneur, like you'll never have the perfect circumstances, but what you can control is your ability just to like fight harder than the person next to you. And that got us through a lot. So what are some of the best pieces of advice people have given you about being an entrepreneur and running this big company? Probably it is like trusting your gut. I think in the very beginning, like a good advisor of mine said, entrepreneurs get in trouble, like when they don't trust their gut and their point of view, because there's always better operators than you. There's people that are better than sales and marketing and finance and supply chain than you'll ever be. But what I think an entrepreneur does well is they have a crystal clear picture of what the world should be. And when they don't lean into what that should be, then you're just kind of like everyone else. So just to trust your gut and lean into it. What advice do you have to other people who 
have a wild idea and they're just like not even sure where to start. I think my advice is like, no one else knows where to start either. That shouldn't be the barrier. Like no one really knows what they're doing in a lot of ways. Everyone is trying to figure it out and everyone's trying to move in the best way possible with good intentions. Gloria, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Your mission is so powerful and I can't wait to see what Thousand does next and to get my own helmet. You can find more about Thousand and check out their helmets at explorethousand.com. You can also find them on social media at Explore Thousand. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow this show, rate it, and review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. <laughs> <laughs>